Hello, my name is Gray. And my name is Crystal. And this is Bust the Asian Beauties, a supernatural commentary podcast where I, someone who has seen this show several times, and I, someone who only knows the show through social media, discuss every single episode of Supernatural from start to finish. Also, we are both Asian. Both Asian. So for today's episode, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 16, Shadow. Written by Eric Kripke, directed by Kim Manners. Oh yeah, I thought this one might have been written by Kripke. It had the vibes, the vibes being plot relevant. Plot relevant, and also the characterization is... Every time Dean says anything, I'm like, oh, this was written by Eric Kripke, isn't it? And then I checked at the end, and it was like... Interesting. Oh, it is. What, What do you think characterizes Kripke's Dean? He's such a womanizer. Like... He's so defined by sex. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, so before going in, what did you know about this episode? Well, I guess I'm going to preface this with like a this episode's going to talk about sexual assault warning. So yeah, basically the only thing I knew about this episode was that Meg comes back and that she sexually assaults Sam. I think this is one of this is like the second episode where you don't know what's going on. Yeah. How does it feel? I don't I feel like I got most of the main parts. Like Meg being back already sort of predicts a lot of plot. Oh, I didn't know John was coming back though. So it was terrible to see him. Okay, so we start with a rather pointless teaser. So a girl is walking down the street and she's listening to music from her MP3 and it stops working. So she takes off her earphones and she's in an alley. So the wind starts blowing around her and she hears creepy whispers. So she starts seeing weird shadows as well, at which point she starts running home and she gets into her apartment. She arms the lock system and begins to relax. She goes to grab a beer and starts listening through her voicemails when we start seeing a shadow manifest behind her. And then the shadow stabs her shadow to death. And, okay, this teaser was so weird because I don't, I, how would you describe the weird, or did you think the teaser was weird? It was... I don't think it was that weird. I think that a shadow getting stabbed to death is a very cool concept, but because the shadow looked so goofy, I mostly just laughed. Um, was it- what did you think made it weird? Was it the lighting? I think it was the pacing and the acting. Like, you know how when she goes into the apartment, she's so scared for her fucking life. And then she's like, oh, whatever. She's like, it's fine, beer time. Oh my god, hi, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, the the pacing all around was like, you know, some a lot of this stuff doesn't go anywhere. Like her earphones, which I thought was going to oh, be relevant later, yeah. was like, oh, it's whatever. So like, yeah. Right. It didn't, it, fe- it felt so separate from the episode itself. 
Which I guess right. de- most teasers are, but like not to this extent. Yeah, I guess maybe they were just like, well, this isn't a case episode, but let's pretend it is for a while. How do we start those again? Now we're to Sam and Dean, who are dressed as alarm company employees. Yes! Um, to inspect Meredith's apartment. They look so fun. I like, love it. Their silly little Kendall outfits. I love it. They so both much. have name tags that like are sewn on, and it says Dean and Sam in cursive. Like so fun. That's so cute. I guess Dean comments on the costumes, um, saying that he feels like a high school drama dork, and we find out that Sam was a theater kid. Um, which I think in Supernatural is code for gay. <laughs> yeah, I think Sam's gay. Um, and that he was in a play called Our Town, which I have read, but I don't remember much about. I wonder who Sam played. I have no idea what you're talking about because I have not read or even heard oh, of this okay. prior. Honestly, Sam was probably just like a tree because we've <laughs> seen his acting in Asylum. Yeah, he has the height for it. Sam was like tree number one. Yeah, and they find out that they we find out that they bought these outfits with their credit card fraud money. Like they had to go specifically to this company and ask them for, like, the little curly Q Dean and Sam patch-ons. <laughs> so they head into the apartment, um, and they meet the landlady, who makes me realize again how freakishly tall Sam is. And they see the apartment. The chain on the door is broken. There's blood all over the carpet. The whole time the landlady's insulting their alarm company she for says, being useless. He says, your she alarms says, are yeah. as useful as moves on a man. Trans rights? <laughs> no! <laughs> this landlady said top surgery should be covered entirely by insurance. So, uh, she says that she found the body a few days after Meredith's death, by noticing the smell, everything was locked. There was no sign of break-in, no sign of struggle either. Whereas Meredith was all in pieces. Uh, she said, if I didn't know any better, I'd have said a wild animal did it. Which causes Dean to give Sam a look. So, Sam and Dean are left alone in the apartment and they bring out their equipment. And while looking around, Dean relays that... He spoke to the cops, and then he fucked the cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure did. He and sure the way he talks about cop. her. So yeah, like, we know this because he talked extensively about her and about how she's a Sagittarius and she loves tequila and she has this tattoo. And then Sam cuts him off. And then all I was thinking about during this was like, don't kiss and tell, Dean. That's rude. Also, he yeah calls her a charming, perky officer of law. And like, yeah, I just, perky at this point, like almost feels like a sexual harassment word to me at this point. Because I feel like people only use it to talk about boobs now. Do I get to give Dean half a point for this or no? I genuinely have no idea. Like, I, I thought about it. I thought about it. But, like, I don't know. He, he was just saying that, like, I had sex with a person. Does that warrant a point? Yeah. 
Oh, I just didn't like his tone, but I, yeah, I did guess not like there's it. nothing that I can really pin on him. You'll get it next time, Dean. <laughs> oh, I'll get it. I'll get plenty. He'll give it to you next time. Anyway, apparently the only thing that the police knew that they didn't is that Meredith's heart was missing. So they guess werewolf, but Sam's like, no, it's probably not a creature because of how clean the scene was. It's probably a spirit. Dean eyes the blood on the floor and then asks for some masking tape. So he begins connecting the dots on the blood splatter in the carpet with the tape. Dean legitimately just pulled this out of his ass. Like, for real, Z. Yeah, yeah, none of those blood splatter dots were connected to each other. Yeah, because there are, like, splatters outside of the tape line. So, like, what does and doesn't count as a dot, you know? And neither of them have seen that symbol before. So they head to a bar uh, where Dean is flirting with some bartender who has been instructed by the director to press her cleavage together a lot. Poor yes. girl. And also, this entire scene was ADR'd in. Did you notice? <laughs> I did not. None of their mouths were moving. And at some point, like, the girl goes, <laughs> but her mouth is barely <laughs> open. Close yeah, it's so fun to watch. Honestly, like, I, yeah. I repeated it over and over again. Because I was like, this is so fucking funny. <laughs> I'm sure that's how all women act with Dean, like, completely mouth-closed. <laughs> so true. And per usual, just like last time, while Dean's having fun at the bar, Sam's just sitting down and flipping through his dad's journal. I feel like this is also supernatural code for gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, okay, but Dean was sucking a dick last episode, so I guess, I guess this is, like, Ace Sam writes. So, uh, Dean finally heads over, um, and tells Sam that he talked to the bartender. Sam asks, did you get anything besides her number? Dean does a little jokey thing about how I'm a professional, I can't believe you'd think that. Um, and then goes, like, alright, yeah, and holds up the napkin with the bartender's phone number on it. Yeah, no, he is, like, incredibly womanizing this episode. Yes, like, like... I didn't really notice until you pointed it out, but yeah, it's just... Because, okay, like, the last time Dean got a misogyny point was in episode 12. Like, it's been four episodes and suddenly he's being, like, the worst guy in the world again. Yeah, so we find out that Meredith worked at this bar, but she didn't exhibit any strange behavior before death. Sam's found nothing on the symbol, but he has found a similar victim named Ben Swardstrom, who was killed in the same way. Uh, but seems to have no connection to Meredith. Suddenly, Sam notices something on the other side of the bar and starts walking towards whatever this is. When he reaches it, we see the back of a head, short blonde hair. Sam puts a hand on this person's shoulder, and it's Meg! Yeah. It is Meg. It's And it's like, I guess it's a parallel to how he first sees her, right? Because it's the same yeah. angle. Right, and he also put his hand on her shoulder. Yeah. It's Meg. So, Sam and Meg hug, 
and Sam looks quite confused during the hug, but he immediately pulls his face afterwards and into something more pleasant the moment that they see each other. And Meg basically says that she went to California. She says, I came, I saw, I conquered, but the scene got too old, so now she's living here in Chicago. Dean, like, uh, shows up behind Sam, and he starts clearing his throat to get Sam's attention. But Meg and Sam just keep on talking. So Sam asks if she's from Chicago, and she says, No, I'm from Massachusetts and over. And I was like, That's where Misha Collins is from. No! No! <laughs> no! But no. I checked, I checked, and I, apparently not. He's from Boston, Massachusetts. I thought. I thought he was from, like, a different section of Massachusetts. I feel like I've heard people talk about how he's a weirdo because he's not from Boston. I hate that I know this much about Misha Collins. (laughs) He is just a vessel for Castiel, and I should not know anything about this man. Okay, so they both express how happy they are to see each other, and then Dean cuffs again, at which point Meg says, Dude, cover your mouth. (laughs) Oh, Queen, she predicted COVID 15 (laughs) years early. Uh, Sam finally introduces Dean. And she says, I've heard of you. Nice how you treat your brother like luggage. And then she continues berating Dean. She's doing so good this episode. Well, not this episode. She's doing so good this scene. Like, she is playing Dean and Sam so well. Yeah. So, uh, she starts berating Dean about how he keeps dragging Sam around and not letting Sam do what he wants. Sam, like, stops her. And Dean does a little whistle and goes, Ooh, awkward. I'm gonna get the drink now. And then he walks away. Meg tells Sam that uh, she's sorry about berating Dean and says that, like, if it were me, I'd kill him. Me? I'd kill him! So true, bestie. Sam says, like, it's okay. And Meg says, uh, we should hook up while you're in town. Which I was like, <laughs> I was, I, I watched this and I was like, wait, do they, do they, do, <laughs> do they hook up this episode? No. But, uh, no, no, they no. Don't. hook up could also just mean, like, meet up or hang out. But yeah, I also went to, like, Wow, you're propositioning him, like, right now. And then Sam asks for her number and last name, which is Masters. And at this point, I was like, uh, like, you know, good job, Sam. Because he's yeah. always so clever and so smart. And it's obvious he that is. it's obvious to us that he's fishing for info. But he's doing it mm-hmm. so well that I think even if Meg was not actively, like, going along because of a hidden agenda... She would still fall for, like, Sam's pleasant, friendly questioning, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Though his face is doing a lot of uncomfortable looks. Also, like, I, I, at this moment, I thought about how this kind of friendly conversation, do you think it's something Dean can realistically be given? Like, do you think the writers would let Dean do this at this point in time? I don't think so. No. Um, yeah, in the beginning of Skin, he's all like, this job doesn't make room for friends. We can't be close to anyone. 
And when we've seen him on his own trying to get information, like in Scarecrow, he's a fucking loser. Yeah, exactly. Especially with women, I guess. Like, there's always going to be that. Oh motive. yeah. And like hell, you know, right. like Charlie is a lesbian, and that's pretty much the main reason why Dean is as close to her, like why Dean treats yeah. her like like a friend because she's a lesbian. So we cut outside of the bar, and Dean's asking like, "Who the hell was she?" and He's also quite upset about what she said about Dean, because she did such a good job. He was like, what, were you bitching about me to some chick? Okay, Dean. I'd like to argue for, like, a quarter of a point there, but I feel like I'll get my points later. (laughs) Um, yeah. And Sam's like, no, we met... During season one, episode 11, Scarecrow, you know, season one, episode 11, Scarecrow. And Dean asks, am I keeping you against your will, Sam? And Sam says, no, of course not. And Dean's still quite stuck on the being upset about Meg thing. But Sam's trying to get him to listen to him because he thinks that something is up with her. Because it makes no sense for her to have shown up out of nowhere twice. Sam says, uh, there's something strange going on. And Dean says, yeah, she wasn't even into me. Does this warrant a point? What do you think? I'd give him half a point for this. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, like, there are so many parts in this episode where I was like, what is this? Dean, what are we? (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, is this, what, what is this? I, I don't even know how to qualify it. <laughs> Honestly, it to me it feels like he's upset that someone knows something about Sam that he doesn't. And the way that he can fix that is by like pretending that she's also really into him. Also, I think it's just when Dean's uncomfortable, he falls back on misogyny and that's like, I'm so handsome, all the girls love me, I will fucking suck left and right. And be disrespectful the whole time. I think my issue with this is because I've been ambivalent about point fives because, like, it's either a misogyny or it's not. It's like kind of where I'm going, but obviously, it's more complicated than that, you know. So right. So I don't know. If you want to give him some points for this, I'll, I'll, uh, okay, I'll let you. Thank you. I'll give him half just because. We had two other moments earlier in this episode <laughs> where I sort of wanted to give a point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have a question. But I yes. am so embarrassed to ask it. But I wrote it down. Okay. I wrote it down in my notes. So I was like, okay, let's just do it. So, okay, for example, put yourself in a situation, right, where mm-hmm. uh, Sam and Dean are separately, like, talking you up, say, at the bar. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is literally playing out like I'm doing, like, self-insert <laughs> fan fiction right now. And I kind of yeah. am. If you are a self-insert fan fiction writer, be free. <laughs> you are cringe, but I am setting you free. Uh, basically, like, do you think, barring anything that you know about Sam and Dean. Like, you don't know them prior Mm -hmm. to this conversation. 
Do you think mm-hmm. Dean's charms would work on you? No, I think he would be too forward. And also, I feel like as someone who is visibly Asian, if I if someone like just starts hitting on me from the get-go, my assumption is like, oh, you have a fetish. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not like taking time to get to know me, I am assuming that they have a fetish. So, no. Mm. I didn't even think about the fact that I'm Asian. <laughs> Because, like, I mean, it doesn't really come up, like, here. Because I am an ethnic majority. But, actually, I don't know why I asked this question. It's such a weird thing to ask. I don't think it would work on me as well. Because I generally don't like flirting. So, it's like, go away. I have, I have actually, like, men have flirted with me. And I have asked them to, like, go away. (laughs) Because I don't like it. But, yeah. Fun yeah. question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I mean, I understand, like, the point. It's like, we're, like, fucking weirded out by Dean. Yeah. But, like, if we knew in him. canon, this works. Yeah. So, right. So it's like, would this actually work on people? Yeah. And, I mean, we've seen the many fans of Supernatural who want to fuck Dean despite knowing everything about him. So, you know, there's a subset of people that it would work on, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. Do you think Sam's charms? I don't I don't think Sam puts on the charm. So, I don't even know what Sam flirting looks like. He sort of just gets kissed by 18-year-olds at <laughs> colleges because they're emotionally vulnerable. Sam is like, you know, the definition of just be straight up, bro, just be yourself. Like <laughs> He literally is just straight up himself. Actually, he's not. He's very good at putting no, on personas. Not. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe Sam will work on me. Yeah. So Sam continues, and he says that there's something about this girl that I can't quite put my finger on. And Dean uh-uh. says, "Well, I bet you'd like to." Dean, okay, you're Dean. such a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Dean, you're such a fucking weirdo. Like, 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 oh god, like, who wants to talk about their brother fingering someone? Like, who? Like, fuck off, teen. I, I kind of get it, because of, like, the, we're brothers, and it's a big brother element to, like, be the one to give the talk, right? To your... Oh, yeah, right, yeah, you sit them down, and you, like, slap them on the shoulder and hand them a pack of condoms or however it goes. Yeah, especially because, like, I'm assuming John will not be giving Sam the talk. (laughs) So, like, maybe it was Sam, maybe it was Dean's job. If Dean gave- I want to imagine this. I want to imagine how awfully (laughs) Dean would give Sam the talk. Like, what? Like, what? It's her job to be on birth control. It feels better without a rubber. (laughs) Um, just, like- Wink and like God, like what else would Dean say? Just terrible, terrible advice. This starts Dean's teasing, which goes on incessantly throughout this episode, where he keeps making fun of Sam for perhaps being into Meg, and he's saying, "Maybe you're thinking a little too much with your upstairs brain, huh?" This is when I messaged you on Discord that you hate Dean. Yes. I was like, yeah, this guy kind of sucks, bro. I'll be honest. Yeah, this guy really sucks, bro. Also, you know, actually, I'll bring it up now. Okay, like, this, all of this happening in an episode where Meg eventually sexually assaults Sam? Yeah. 
is like really like icky. It's really icky. From a writer's standpoint, I guess it's just the way that they can't see this character without sexualizing her. Um, and when we don't know if she's a bad guy or not, they do it in a, ooh, potential love interest, but in a really objectifying way. And then when she's a bad guy, they're, like, doing it in a sexual assault way. But, like, I don't know, in the way that, like, this whole episode is sort of set up so you're supposed to feel like Sam sort of wants it in a way, right? Which is also so gross. I, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Because Sam, right? Like, throughout it, he, it, it's, like, instilled in our head that he's acting like a creep. We know Meg is a bad person, so we're supposed to forgive it, right? But also, you're supposed mm-hmm. to think that, oh, from Sam's perspective, he is being a creep. And so, like, right. when it does happen towards the end of Meg um, assaulting Sam, <sighs> I don't know. I, I'll just say that, like, this is the reason why I am ambivalent about like Meg as a character, even when yeah. she becomes Meg 2.0. I don't know, like this 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 episode, what she does here, I couldn't shrug it off, and it makes me uncomfortable yeah. that way into the future we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But she becomes buddy buddies with Sam, you know. And then she, at some point, even asked him, like, e- since when have I ever been not on your side, Sam? And, like, I- I've i forgotten the context when I was watching that part of the show, like, when- back when I watched it the first time. But now that I do remember, it's like, oh. Uh. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, I think, for me, I'm not, huh, I don't know. It's like, this scene feels so out of nowhere and so a result of, like, Kripke not being able to write a female villain without having her weaponize her sexuality that, like, like, I, like, the scene is awful to watch and, like, Meg in the scene is awful to watch, but I feel like, for me, it hasn't made me unable to enjoy other scenes of Meg the same way, like, I don't know, like, Dean does so many shitty things but like when he's being funny i still think he's funny um but yeah it is probably gonna color how i feel about meg a bit for the rest of the show i guess because meg doesn't show up as much as dean so like with dean like he does shitty things but because there's so much things that he do you know the scale kind of wavers but ends up balancing out for some people, I right. guess there are things that he does that are like unforgivable. Like we all have different barriers of what we can and cannot yeah, let go. Yeah. And like this one is right, yeah. one of the barriers for me, I feel. That makes perfect amount of sense. Yeah, I think I'm just mostly going off of how I feel and how easily I'm able to forget about some things while watching other things. Yeah. Ugh, whatever. This yeah, this episode. <laughs> Alright, so Sam asks Dean to look into a, like, Meg Masters from Andover, Massachusetts, and into the symbol. While he goes to spy on Meg, Dean calls him, you little pervert, and then they head their separate ways. Okay, so Dean does his research while Sam literally just watches Meg in her apartment. 
so Dean calls Sam and says that basically Meg checks out. She is Meg Masters from Andover, Massachusetts. And he tells Sam to just knock on her apartment and invite her to a poetry reading, whatever it is that he does. This is the third time they call Sam gay in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And the symbol Dean relays is Zoroastrian. The sigil is for a deva, which Dean describes as something akin to a demonic pit bull. Okay, well first, yeah, like... Zoroastrianism is an actual religion, and it is shitty that they are using devas in this episode for, like, honestly no reason, like, at all. It's not even plot relevant. Sam does this thing where he asks Dean, like, amusedly, about how Dean figured that one out. And Dean says, oh, come on, I can chase paper, too. And then Sam says, "Uh, name the last book you read. And Dean admits that he called Caleb, which is one of John's friends, who helped him out. And like, I don't know. There are two times when I was like, this is written by Kripke, isn't it? The first one is when when Dean does the napkin thing with the number of the bartender. And the other one is this one. Because... Like, the way Sam is characterized, I don't know, it frustrates me. Right, the whole, like, oh, Dean, you stupid little non-college goer. Yeah. Because I know other writers have Dean, like, read Vonnegut and, like, generally be somewhat into, like, quote-unquote academic literature as well. Is, is Vonnegut record reading for you guys? Um, I was never assigned him, but uh, my ex-fiance has been, I think. Uh, I, it's not required reading here, like, for American literature Mm. classes, but, like, I started reading it because of Dean. I started reading (laughs) Vonnegut because of Dean. And, which one? Uh, I read Slaughterhouse-Five, Gratz Cradle, and then another one that I forgot the title of. But basically, like, okay, this is a tangent again, we have so many tangents in this episode. Yeah. But, uh, when I... When I heard that it's called Slaughterhouse Five, I really thought it was gonna be like a Stephen King kind of novel. Oh yeah, because of the name. But no, I thought it was gonna be like a slasher. And then I read it, and it was genuinely one of the most profound things I've ever read. And I was like, holy shit! And then I feel like this was after I had a falling out with Supernatural, so I was like separate from the show already. But then, Your ex-fiance, Supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were divorced, but I've developed a new appreciation for the show and for Dean as a character because of his wow. love for Vonnegut and because I read it and loved it as well. It's it's one of those, like, connect the dots thing in your head, you know? Right. Like, right. Like, Supernatural, you think it's a slasher, but I guess at some points it's one of the most profound things that you've watched. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, uh, this deva needs to be summoned. And summoning it is risky business because it usually, as Dean says, bites the hand that feeds it. So they probably have a major player in town. And then he tells Sam to give Meg a private stripogram. And Sam says, bite me. To which Dean replies, bite her. But don't leave deep marks. What is wrong with you, Dean? What the fuck does that mean? What? 
what? Like, I, he's just saying shit at this point. I don't even know what he's saying at this don't point. Don't leave teeth marks sounds like something a serial killer would say. Come on, Dean. Anyway, Sam continues put watching Meg, who is now changing. So she's in her bra. This is director misogyny in a bit. Like, does she have to be in a bra? Like, does she have to be? Ugh. This is one of those, like, it's just the writers and the uh, director, I guess, like, not knowing what to do with a female villain without sexualizing mm-hmm. her. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So she's, you know, putting on a shirt when a woman knocks on Sam's car and calls him a pervert for watching it. And Sam's like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then she moves away. And then Meg gets out of her apartment and Sam follows her. Um, did you think that the pervert scene felt like really out of place? Like it was a comedic feat that felt very sudden. So many things in this episode feel very sudden. So like yeah. but yeah, you're right. It it felt like yeah. the like the writers were like, Oh, but Sam really does look like a pervert. How can we undercut that? By having a random woman tap on his like door and say pervert. Yeah, so Sam starts following Meg and she enters a warehouse. Something I'm impressed about by like in Supernatural is how many empty abandoned warehouses there are in America. Like, is this for real? Is this something that I'm, is actually like present in the US? I'm not sure, but I think there should be quite a few empty warehouses. I don't know. I feel like most warehouses are not that empty, but also don't we have like a giant vault of cheese because the government subsidizes cheese production and they make too much and then they just shove it all in a fucking like warehouse vault somewhere. I feel like government subsidization of like various like agricultural production stuff should probably result in a lot of empty warehouses. Though I guess we're in Chicago here so yeah I don't know what the warehouse would be full of. What's Chicago known for producing? Hot dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Hot dog. Yeah. There we go. So, Meg goes to the upper floor of this hot dog warehouse, and Sam can't get in, so he sees some... The transcript says that it's a broken down elevator gate? Yes, yes. Basically, there's just a bunch of metal bars, and Sam's climbing them. I guess, like, all those chin-ups he did in the cage last episode have paid off. He's doing a really good job climbing this thing. Like, I think I wrote down here, Sam must have ate on the monkey bars as a kid. (laughs) Yeah, um, so he gets up to the top, and he can sort of see in through this, like, great, um, like, barred window thing to what Meg is doing. Uh, she's going to some altar and she picks up that silver bowl that looks like a singing bowl uh, and swirls her finger around in the blood and says some stuff and is talking to someone on the other side. Um, Sort of like the last time we saw her talk here, she starts off, off pretty passionate. She's going, I don't think you should come. The brothers, they're in town. I didn't know that. And then suddenly she goes, 
quiet and her face sort of closes in and she says, yes, sir. Yes, I'll be here waiting for you. She blows out the candles. She leaves. Sam's able to crawl in through the bars in the window and sees that the altar has a bunch of organs on it and the symbol drawn in blood and he's pretty freaked out. So we go to the motel where Sam is looking for Dean and when he finds him, they say in unison, dude, I gotta talk to you. <laughs> so Sam relays basically everything we learned about Meg, that she's summoning the deva and communicating with someone through a blood bowl. Someone is giving Meg orders and that someone will be in the warehouse. And then Dean's yeah. like, holy shit, and says that he pulled a favor with Amy from the police department <sighs> and realized that both the victims are from Lawrence, Kansas. So Dean says, like, we got to trash the altar and interrogate Meg. And Sam says, no, no, no. We got to watch the warehouse and see who comes. Dean says, well, I don't think we should do this alone. Yeah. Oh, by the way, earlier when Dean calls Meg hot little Meg and then says, so Sammy's got a thing for the bad girl, can I... Is that points worthy? <sighs> I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know, this whole episode is just Dean being a fucking weirdo and we, I don't even we, know how to categorize okay. it. Can we just give Dean, like, say two points for this entire episode yeah okay instead of like giving him point quarters <laughs> like let's just give him yeah. fucking two points man okay i feel like the people some people are gonna be upset that we gave sam five for hookman and dean only two for this episode though <laughs> can i give him three so we're at like a nice even 20 total misogynies okay go for it go for it all right. He's, he's yeah. So weird about women this episode, he's and it's so not like fucking weird. What a weirdo, man. All right. Yeah. Dean officially by the end of this podcast episode will have gotten twenty misogyny points. Go, Dean. <laughs> Don't go, Dean. Stop, white boy. Stop. <laughs> yeah. So Dean is now leaving a voicemail to John, where he says that he thinks that they have a serious lead on the thing that killed mom. And it makes me sad that, like, that's his opener. Like, that's the only thing that he knows will draw John in, and he's right. Like, Sam calls John in faith, like, the doctors say that Dean has, like, two weeks to live, and John did not show up or even, like, text Dean, like, uh, hey, I love you, son, like, hang in there. Like, John completely fucking ignored that, but he's coming for this. Ugh. And again, I didn't know John was coming this episode, so I think when Dean was leaving the message, I wrote down, John isn't coming, you stupid slut. But then he did. <laughs> so yeah, Dean gives John the address of the warehouse. Sam's like, voicemail, and Dean's like, yeah, they know what's up. Uh, Sam's lugging in this giant bag of every single weapon that exists in their car trunk because he doesn't know what to expect so i guess we should just expect everything dean says that it's big night um sam asks if he's, if he's nervous both of them 
deny it because we're in season one. Um, Sam starts getting really excited about the possibility of finding the demon. He says, what if this whole thing was over tonight? Man, I'd sleep for a month, go back to school, be a person again. Dean is not happy. He's upset. Yeah, so, yeah, Dean asks if Sam wants to go back to school. He seems shocked at the probability. Like, bro, he was gonna get into Stanford Law. Do you know how much money you can make after you graduate from Stanford Law? Like, come on, Dean. (laughs) Yeah, and Sam says, yeah, after we're done hunting the thing, that's my plan. And Dean goes, huh. And Sam goes, why, is there something wrong with that? And Dean says, no. It's great. Good for you. Very disingenuous. Sam asks what Dean's gonna do after this, and Dean says, well, it's never gonna be over. There's gonna be others. There's always gonna be something to hunt. Sam asks if there's something that Dean wants for himself, and he sort of snaps and says, yeah, I don't want you to leave the second this thing's over, Sam. Sam asks what the fuck Dean's problem is, and Dean says, Why do you think I drag you everywhere, huh? I mean, why do you think I came and got you at Stanford in the first place? Sam looks really surprised at this. He's like, well, because Dad was in trouble, because he wanted to find the thing that killed Mom. And Dean says, yeah, that, but it's more than that, man. You and me and Dad? I mean, I I want us to be together again. I want us to be a family again. Sam says, like, we are a family, I'd do anything for you, but things will never be the way they were before. And Dean says, could be. Fuck off. Oh, sorry. And Sam says, I don't want them to be. Ugh. And then, I'm not gonna live this life forever. Dean, when this is all over, you're gonna have to let me go my own way. And then Dean gives him this creepy, glary look. And that ends that scene. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Dean, uh, I despise you. I hope you die. I hate you. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Let's let's play this game. Let's play this game where you say your piece and then I defend Dean. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Dean's like, why did you think I got you from Stanford in the first place? Right. So, okay, this whole season has been, like, Sam's life is ruined as soon as Dean shows up. And we think at first, like, this is just, like, Dean being a scared kid who needs help finding his dad. But this sort of, like, implies some kind of premeditated plot to take Sam away from college, which he never wanted Sam to go to in the first place, and force them to be a family again, force them to be how it was again. And I'm not going to blame Dean as a victim of abuse for not recognizing the abusive situation that he was in, but I am going to blame him for knowing that Sam hates it here, knowing that Sam wants to get out, and trying to purposefully engineer a situation where they end up where Sam wanted to escape in the first place. Like, I think that that is shitty, Um, I think that him continuously making Sam feel guilty about going to Stanford is shitty. I think that, oh, I just, I just hate him. I hate him so much. And it's like, congratulations, Dean. 
You got what you fucking wanted. Like, years and years later, Sam is stuck with Hugh in a bunker when he tries to escape to go to Amelia at, after season seven. When you come back, you berate him for not looking for you in Purgatory, even though he thought you were dead. Um, in season ten, you are stuck in this bunker with him, where first you have the mark of killing your brother, and then you try to kill Sam with a hammer. Like, you will be a family forever and ever, you will be stuck with him forever and ever, and he will never be able to leave, and that is on you, Dean. Fuck off. Okay, so here's my defense of Dean. <laughs> Alright! He's just a poor little guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little birthday boy! He's Don't just hurt a little him. birthday He's just boy! just a little birthday boy! <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I'm convinced. No notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you have anything else? No. Uh, basically, uh, like I guess what I want to say here is that I get where he's coming from, and I feel like you do as well. Like you understand that it's like what gets to me is when Sam asks, like, "What do you want?" and basically what Sa- what Dean says is like the status quo. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he wants. So he doesn't want anything more. Because, like, in his youth, he was thought that, like, you can't want anything more because the most you're gonna get is us. Like, your reward for living such a horrible life is that you get to live it with your family. So, like, I get where he's coming from. <laughs> but. Okay, but I, I completely you agree. Okay, he has it. a GED and a give him hell attitude, and he can go drive back to Cassie right now. <laughs> but she's a realist. They're not gonna work out. Well, it's they're not gonna work out because Dean won't give up hunting. If he dropped hunting and just got a construction worker job, like in Cape Gerardia or however it was pronounced, like whatever, they could work it out. He could do plenty of things that don't involve ruining Sam's life. Remember in Bloody Mary where he was like, hell, if you want to blame anyone for Jess's death, blame me. I'm the one who dragged you away from her. Like, I do blame you, Dean. Actually, I do. I do. Fuck off. Yeah, I think what I'm what I'm going for here is not that you should forgive Dean or that Dean is indirect because he definitely is not. Like, that's... Right. That's just the reality of the situation. I guess more I'm asking for is just like like there is a reason why he's like this. And some I, of those yeah, reasons are not his fault. I agree. Yeah, yeah. They're not all his fault. But also I attack and kill him with a branch. <laughs> yeah. I too will attack and kill him with a branch. <laughs> And I will not sex him until he say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, so we go to the warehouse, and Meg is reciting something while Sam and Dean climb up the elevator just like Sam did prior. Do you want a fun fact about me? Sure. When I was 13, when I was first watching Supernatural, I memorized the... Exorcism Latin Incantation. Oh, Yeah. 
What the fuck? Do you still nerd? know it? No, I don't. I I actually tried oh. a while ago, and I tried, and I don't know it anymore. But it was like my party trick, because it's not like so supernatural related. Like you can just know it, right? You know, like just yeah. because. And like when mm-hmm. people ask me, like, do you have a fun fact about yourself? I'll be like, oh, I can recite <laughs> the Latin <laughs> incantation for exorcism. It just reminded me of this because Meg was reciting something while, you know, yeah. in, in front of the altar. So that was fun. I thought you would make fun of me for it. Thank you for receiving it so nicely. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's cool. <laughs> so uh, they sneak around and... At some point, you think they got away with it. But then, Meg goes, Guys, hiding's a little bit childish, don't you think? Oh, I love her voice so much. I do much. love her voice. Like, for real, sis. Yeah, and Meg 2.0 also has a great voice. Yeah. Like, Meg 2.0 follows it through very well. Like, they sound different, but also they have the same cadence. And it's super fun. Like, I love Meg's voice. Anyway, they come out of hiding. This whole time, Sam and Dean are pointing guns at Meg. Uh, Sam and Meg have some banter about how this puts a crimp in our relationship. And then Dean asks Meg, like, where the Deva is? And she says, oh, it's just around. And Sam asks Meg who she's waiting for. Meg says, you. You. Ah! And the Deva shows up and knocks Sam and Dean around, and it it scratches Sam's face pretty badly. Then we cut to black. Sam looks real good with the scratches on his face, I must say. Like, sorry you're suffering terribly, but all men should have, like, three scores on their cheek. Like, that's just sort of a look. So, they wake up tied to poles in the warehouse. And Dean says, hey, Sam, don't take this the wrong way, but your girlfriend is a bitch. It's probably good that we we just gave Dean a set amount of points for this episode because I would have (laughs) so much to say. So Sam realizes that this whole thing was a setup, even when he was spying on Meg and hearing what she said in the bowl, that was also a setup. The victims being from Lawrence didn't actually mean anything. Meg just did it to draw them in um, so that they would think that it was connected to their mom's case in some way. Sam says, you killed those two people for nothing. Meg says, baby, I've killed a lot more for a lot less. Yeah, uh, so Dean asks why Meg doesn't just kill them already, but Meg says, this trap isn't for you. They realize that it's a trap for their dad. Dean says that John would not come to town, and if he was, he wouldn't even walk into this trap because he's quote-unquote too good. Um, do you think Dean is bluffing here? Honestly, I think he just thinks John will not show up point blank. Like, not because he's too good or, you know, all that. Yeah. I think he's just thinking, Dad never showed up before. Like, Dad didn't show right, up Right, he didn't in show up home. during home. Or in right. faith. So. Yeah. So, like, why would he, he show up now? I don't think he knows that Sam called John in, in faith. faith. If I was Sam, I wouldn't tell Dean. Yeah, this is quite a similar situation from home, though. Because, like, oh, yes. it could be the thing that killed Ma. So it's like, why would John right. show up now? Yeah, it's his own business. Yeah. And Meg starts being a creep by straddling Dean's legs. um, And she tells him 
that John has one weakness, you. He lets his guard down around his boys, lets his emotions cloud his judgment. Well, he should do it more then, because <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> um, she says that she knows that he's in Chicago. And that when he comes to save them, the devas will kill everybody, nice and slow and messy. And Sam asks Meg why she's doing this. And she says, I'm doing this for the same reasons you do what you do. Loyalty. Love. Which, I just think Meg is such a fascinating character in the way her relationship with Azazel is a father-daughter relationship. And, like, again, she is very similar like pretty much all like sort of toxic families and supernatural are parallels to the sam and dean and john dynamic and i don't know i like i like that meg fits into that and also that she as a demon is a human soul that got corrupted by torture in hell and how like she probably how dean probably would have ended up a lot like her if he had stayed in hell for longer but yeah anyway meg says that it's love like the love you had for mommy and jess um sam says go to hell and meg says baby i'm already there and then yeah yeah i don't know how much detail i want to go into this but um yeah basically she starts straddling sam's legs she tells him that she saw him watching her and that she knows that he's attracted to her and that she liked it and that they can have a little dirty fun um so as sam is tied up and helpless she starts kissing his neck and it is bad to watch yeah Yeah. it's bad to watch uh it turns out that sam is sort of trying to distract meg while she's doing that um while dean tries to untie his hands by getting a knife out and cutting the ropes uh but meg hears the sound too soon and kicks the knife away when meg returns to sam she asks if he was trying to distract her and he says no i have a knife of my own so while she was getting dean's knife away sam had broken free of his rope um and he knocks meg out and after that he gets free he overturns the altar and the deva shows up and grabs meg drags her across the floor and through the window and she falls to the street below um in the slow-mo shot that looks so fucking funny (laughs) Like, we already know that Supernatural doesn't do slow-mo well. Yeah. This fucking, like, this literally looks like, like, there's a cartoon in China called Xi Yang Yang, and it's about this wolf that keeps trying to eat, like, this family or these this friend group of sheep, and, like, every episode ends with them, like, kicking the wolf out of, like, a top floor of his castle and him falling slow-mo and going, like, I'll be back! And, like, literally that's what Meg looks like. <laughs> like, <laughs> so funny. Meg is presumably dead, and Dean says, Sam, next time you want to get laid, 
find a girl that's not so buckets of crazy, huh? And uh, just this whole time, Dean is not at all acknowledging that this was like a problem. You know what I mean? Like when Meg was like kissing his neck, kissing Sam's neck. Yeah, like, he says, Dean get was a room. like, get a room, you two. Right? Like he seems to be focused on more like it's gross that people are kissing in front of me and one of them is my brother rather than like this is sexual assault. Do you think the writers meant it to show that way? Like, did the directors mean to show it as sexual assault? No, no, no. Like, did they know <laughs> that this was sexual assault? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because I feel like... Well, okay. Like, in Asylum, we get that random ghost girl kissing that guy when he thinks that she's... Or when he thinks that she's his girlfriend. And I don't think that the directors or writers really portrayed that as sexual assault. I think they were just like, this'll be a fun, like, horror thing when he realizes that it's not her. And also, we don't think women are people, so this is how a woman ghost will communicate while the man ghost will just say something in your <laughs> ear. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like this is like, oh, well, like, they, we need a distraction in this scene, and there's a hot woman demon here and there are hot men here so obviously the distraction should take a sexual nature like i feel like they did not recognize the problem in this situation mm -hmm. like i think we're supposed to be like a bit icked out but like with asylum it was like like the guy was icked out because she was a ghost and because her face was messed up here it's like we're supposed to be icked out because meg is like bad not because the situation itself is inherently assault. Especially, yeah, the way that Dean is commenting on it, it's like, it makes this a lot more lighthearted than I would assume a narrative would treat actual sexual assault um, in the mind of the writers. So Dean walks away, but we do linger a bit on uh, Sam's face as he looks out the window. So I think... We are supposed to see that this has affected Sam a bit more than Dean's, like, behavior lets on. So Sam and Dean are walking back to their motel room, but then they see that someone is standing by the window. They don't know who it is. They turn on the light. And it's John. He turns around. I boo and throw tomatoes at my laptop. <laughs> um, Dean goes, Dad? And John says, Hey, boys. Why didn't you hey boys when Dean was dying of heart problems, <laughs> bitch? So, Dean and John hug yeah. for a long time. And Sam and John say hi. <laughs> yeah, they say hi and they're quite stiff about it. And Dean says, Dad, it was a trap. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Like, uh, Dean, it is not your job to protect your father. Like, the roles should be a bit swapsied here. John says that he showed up just in time to see Meg fall out of the window. He says she was the bad guy, right? And Dean and Sam say in unison, Yes, sir. Oh! They say yes, sir a lot in here. And every single yeah. time I'm like, 
No. <laughs> this is... No, this sir. Is, this is too much for me. John says that this demon has tried to stop him before because he knows that he's gonna kill it, not just exercise it or send it back to hell. But he doesn't know yet how to kill it. Sam asks John to let him come with them. John refuses and says that he doesn't want them caught in the crossfire and he doesn't want them hurt, which... It's fair, but um, maybe you should have said that before instead of disappearing on them for six months and making them think that you were dead, John. <laughs> Sam says, you don't have to worry about us. And John says, of course I do. I'm your father. You, you are literally a shit did not father, show John. up when Dean was dying. Like, he was gonna die in two weeks. For realsies. Yeah, like, you were like, the last time I ever talked to Dean... It's gonna be on the phone when I tell him to stop following me, give him a case, and make him say yes, sir, and look sad the whole time. Like, whatever, that's cool. Maybe after I kill this demon, I can, like, go to Dean's funeral where his corpse will already be, like, rotting and dusty because, like, by that time it'll be, like, ten years later when I show up again. Like, fuck off, John. And then he tells Sam... Listen, Sammy, last time we were together, we had one hell of a fight. And Sam says, yes, sir. Ugh! Like, no wonder you guys had a hell of a fight if you're making your children yeah. call you sir. Um, but John says, it's good to see you again. It's been a long time. And Sam says, too long. And they hug while crying. And, okay, you know how in Bugs... Sam said, like, when we see Dad again, I'm not even sure if he's gonna want to see me again. Do you think that this was, like, in general, a positive moment for Sam? Do you think that in that hug he felt forgiven for something that he doesn't have to be forgiven for, but, like, as someone, you're always going to be looking for forgiveness from your parents? Yeah, I actually do think that. Yeah. Like, I think this is, like, especially because of how adamant he was later on to, you know, like, go with John. This, I think this whole thing was, like, for him, it was, like, oh, this is the beginning of a new chapter. And, uh, like, right. we're gonna end this once and for all. You know, like, it's just all positive thoughts. Because, as we learned earlier, Sam's a bit of, like, an idealist, right? His tendency is to, is to, like, do thought experiments about how better his life is gonna be in a couple of months that's true, because, yeah, this whole time, like, finding John has for a long time meant, like, that he can leave this shitty road trip. Whereas, I guess, for Dean, finding John means, like, oh, look, all three of us are together again, and we can go back to how things were. So both Sam and Dean think they, that they might be getting something that they want here, and that it's all gonna be over, and they're gonna go back to what their idea of a happy life is. And they don't get it. Ugh. Nobody gets what they yeah. want in Supernatural. Not even the fans. <laughs> Not even the fans. Okay, so yeah. They're, they, afterwards, they get out of their little group hug. And then Adeva attacks John. Woo! We see Meg watching from the window she's still alive she's still alive and she's wearing like this cool yellow jacket right yeah yeah it's a yeah. good look it's a statement piece <laughs> okay so basically all three of them are getting scratched to death by the deva except for john 
who is really getting scratched to death by the deva. <laughs> the deva heard this whole conversation and was like, I know who I like the least in this room. <laughs> yeah. So Sam takes out uh, kind of like a Roman candle. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, I think it's like a flare. A flare candle gun. It's not a gun. It's something. It's, it's a it's flare. A, thing. Everything in Supernatural is a gun, including Dean. He does a little bit of exposition. That's like, it's a shadow demon. So let's light it up. So and like, bro, just fucking up. light it up. <laughs> and then uh, while while you know the entire room is lit up, they stumble out of the room into the impala but just as they're about to go in dean stops them and says that they can't come with their dad oh also the way that dean's face is scratched up in this scene like i feel like i've seen this as a lot of like tumblr icons and backgrounds because it's a very artful like forehead scratch scratch with blood trickling down these devas made the most aesthetic scratches on all of these people's faces. Sam is confused, and he says that we should stick together. But Dean is like, um, Meg was right. Like, we make Dad weaker. Dad is vulnerable with us. He's stronger without us. He's, you know, shit yeah. like that. And he says, we almost got Dad killed in there. Like, it it's is not, not your fault. You didn't do anything. You did nothing. God, like, you don't need to parent your parents. Ugh. So Sam, like, turns to John and starts talking to him. He says, like, after everything, I have to be a part of this fight. John says, like, just trust me. Like, we all have a part to play, but you gotta let me go. Why is John agreeing with Dean? He was, like, about to get into the car. And then Dean was like, no, 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 And John was like, yeah, you're right. And I was like, you were literally about to get into the car. He he just wanted the car. He just wanted baby. He was like, man, was I miss the Impala. <laughs> Once we get to a motel, I'm gonna, like, sneak out while Sam and Dean are sleeping. Say I'm going to get a newspaper and then drive away. So uh, they all just look at into each other's eyes while Sam is very emotional. And then John leaves and Sam and Dean go into their car and then they take off. And we end with Meg watching Sam and Dean as they drive into the night. And that's how the episode ends. Do you think that John saying you've gotta let me go is supposed to parallel Sam telling Dean after all this is over you've gotta let me go my own way? No. I, I think they're, like, separate ideas enough to not yeah. be, yeah. like... Maybe it's, like, a callback, but, yeah. Right. You know but what I thought parallel. of? Yeah. What? When when Sam was, like, you have got to let me go. Was when Dean died and he tells, like, Sam, like, you can let me go now. And, and it's, like... Like, it, it, it makes me sad that, like, at the end of it, the only way that Sam could say what he said he wanted to do, which was to escape the life, was for when yeah. Dean dies. And it's Yeah, and also Dean has to give him permission for it. Like Sam doesn't make the choice. Yeah. Like at the end of the day it's him who lets go. It's not Dean. <sighs> so what did you think about this episode? I thought that we got 
a lot of good, like, Sam, Dean, Sean thesis moments here. I thought that Dean was a fucking weirdo, and I wish that they had not gone that route with Meg. She had some pretty fun moments in this episode, and then she had some very bad moments in this episode, but overall, I think it was a nice way to tie the plot threads that we have uh, a little tighter together and, like, make us excited about whatever is gonna happen next. Yeah. But also, the case was, like, fucking useless, and they did not need to use Davis. My thoughts regarding this episode was... Oh, I dreaded watching it. This is what ended your last Supernatural rewatch because of how bad the Actually, no. Was, it right? was the next episode. Now that I think about oh. it. It was Hell House that ended it. I was like, after this one, I'm never gonna watch Supernatural again and now I'm making a podcast. <laughs> now a three-year podcast commitment. But like, this was... It was actually this one, like, when you think about it. It was this one, and then I was like, okay, let's try one more episode. But the last episode really got to me in a bad way. So let's just try one more. And then when that didn't, like, ignite my love, I just, like, let's end it. But... Yeah. I mean, Cass isn't even here. Yeah, literally. I don't get it. Like, I remember I I watched Hell House, and then I went, okay whatever and then i watched 906 and i was like yeah hell yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i love casa steve so much he's just a little guy he's just a little birthday boy the true little guy so yeah like my thoughts of this episode is like it's not bad i just didn't enjoy it and i i get that that's like there's difference between those two but yeah so best line worst line What's your best line? I like when, yeah, Sam says, Dean, we are a family. I'd do anything for you, but things will never be the way they were before. Dean says, could be. And Sam says, I don't want them to be. Go, Sam! Go, Sam! My favorite line is, I want us to be a family again. And Sam says, we are a family. Like, that specifically. Because you took the general thing. But that one, that line specifically, the we are a family, really got to me because, like, families do change, you know? Yeah. Like, they are meant to change. They are meant to evolve. The way it is, like, you're not supposed to be, like, just you and your siblings for your entire life. And by supposed to be, I mean, like, Mm. culturally, not like you're really not supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, you can be, but only if you and your siblings all want to, and Sam does not. Yeah, like, Sam does not. And, like, it's just, like, Dean doesn't understand that, like, family can mean a different thing. And that makes me sad. And it's so apparent in this scene that, like, it's true that they are still a family. Like, no matter what, they're always going to be a family. And... Dean just doesn't get it. Right, like, after this, if Sam goes back to law school, maybe he'll pick up your calls some more, and, like, maybe you and John can go to his graduation, but let's not do this. And that's just something that you need to accept as you grow older. I feel like Dean is so, like, stuck on being a kid. Right. And and the child's perspective of, like, any changes in my family is bad. Yeah, no, he is that kid, like crying and screaming when like their mom brings back a new baby from the hospital like yeah he does not have object permanence 
So he does not have object permanence. Oh, God. I wish Sam had kept the number of the therapist from Asylum. I, like, wish that after this episode was over, after Dean was asleep in the motel, Sam, like, went into the bathroom and dialed this guy up and was like, you will not fucking believe what my forcible road trip brother said to me this time. Okay, worst line. Oh, God, Dean's being such a fucking weirdo, but I think specifically after Meg sexually assaults Sam when Dean says, like, like, Sam, if you're looking for a little action, find someone who's not so crazy or whatever. Like, Sam was not looking for a little action. He was assaulted. Dean, like, shut up. Yeah, my worst line is, I bet you'd like to, after Sam says, I can't quite put oh, my finger like, on it. Oh, God, yeah, it's just so specific. Like, come <laughs> on. Yeah. Like, I feel like Eric Kripke was like, oh, what a funny joke. I have to write around this now. And it's yeah. not a funny joke, Eric Kripke. <laughs> yeah, no, Eric, like, woke up in a start, like, in the middle of the night, like, 3 a.m., like, oh my god, I just had the best idea for a supernatural line, guys. He's, like, half stoned out of his mind. Like, bro, what if, what if Sam says, I can't put my finger on it? And Dean says, yeah, I'd like to. That's hilarious, bro. Like, oh my god. Also, you know what? My my headcanon for Eric Kripke, the real person, is that he doesn't know where the clitoris is. So, like, this makes even less sense for him as a joke. Great. We are doing RPF. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Reader x Kripke, but it's just about the reader getting more and more frustrated that Kripke can't put his finger on it. Okay, uh, we have to do the guess the IMBD rating. Or IMDB, I don't fucking know. Okay, I think, I think this was, like, from a writing standpoint and from a, like, watchers of Supernatural who are okay with misogyny standpoint, this was probably a good episode. Also, since this is season one, I feel like people will feel, like, rewarded about the plot points that they've been noticing coming together to Mm -hmm. something, and, like, would probably be excited to see John again. So, like, it's probably fairly high. Like, maybe, like, an 8.7? 8.7? That's so high. I was gonna go for 8.3. No reason. It's just the vibes. (laughs) Yeah, I just know that, like... I don't know, like, Scarecrow got, what, like, an 8.6 or an 8.7? Mm-hmm. Um, right, and I feel like... This is worse than Scarecrow, people, though. It, it, I don't like it as much as Scarecrow, but I think that, I don't know, I feel like if you're watching season one of the show and you're like, is this just Monster of the Week stuff or is something bigger gonna happen? Every time something bigger happens, you're like, ooh. But, yeah, yeah. maybe I am way overshooting it let's see okay let's see 8.5 all right so like the average of our scores yeah okay yeah that makes sense (laughs) one of the reviews says not bad not bad i mean yeah i would claim that it is bad but also good (laughs) right okay so 8.5 what else was 8.5 like where where does this go alongside let me see why is the pilot suddenly 8.6 oh what that was our influence we did that 
I and know it. Everything is like rated down. That's so weird. Season one, episode two is seven point nine. Is this our influence? Wait. <laughs> Wait, they... Oh, my God. Wait, they rated it down. Oh, my God. That's wild. Hawkman yeah, is 7.9. Yeah, no, this is absolutely our two listeners. They did this <laughs> for us. Oh, wait. Dead in the Water is an 8.0 now? Phantom Traveler is an 8.1. Is that... Wait, this is Dead so Dead in the weird. Water really an 8... Yeah, no. Bloody Mary and Skin are 8.3 instead of 8.4. Hookman's is 7.9? Oh, my God. Yeah, no, they heard our call. We said Supernatural should have more seven-point-somethings, and all of you lovely people did that for us. Thank you. I think maybe it's because of the Robin Rich podcast, not to promote our oh, competitors. The the what? I, I don't know about the Robin and Rich. Who are those? There's another Supernatural podcast called Supernatural Then and Now. The fuck is that? In short, Stan... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally called Stan. Yeah, no, I think there are probably people revisiting season one because of a Supernatural podcast. Not gonna say which one. I think that personally, Bad Pod probably has more listeners than um, the one hosted by one of the most beloved Archangel characters and the main God villain himself. of season 15. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think personally, uh, we are probably more popular and we probably have more pop culture influence as a podcast and also just like as individuals. But you know, maybe like one Rob and Richard listener also rated some things down. This is so weird. Oh, oh at least Faith is an 8.8 .8 now. It was an 8.9 before, right? Yeah. God, that's yeah. so weird though, right? This is gonna throw off our guessing so much. Yeah. Anyway, um, Shadow is an 8.5. Anyway. And the reviews yeah. say... There's one titled Shut Up, Meg, and then the first line is I really like Meg <laughs> as a character. <laughs> Pick a side! Someone's writing a little meta. They say the title of this episode has two meanings. First, there's the shadow monsters, but there's also the fact that both boys continue to live in the shadow of their father and his quest. Nice. No one listened to Robin Richards' podcast, or anyone who knows people who listen to Robin Richards' podcast, tell them to listen to us instead. Yeah. <laughs> there's a portion of this episode where my mic is bad because I unplugged my mic, but <laughs> oh, listen no. to us still. Yeah, no, we are better because... Well, we have bigger boobs than them. Yeah. So we are bustier and more Asian and more beautiful. So you're just gonna have to trust the drawings on the logo. Where there is absolutely no boobage whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it for this episode of Busty Asian Beauties. Next time we'll be talking about season one, episode seventeen, Hell House. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at twitter.com slash beautiespodcast and on Tumblr at bustyasianbeautiespod.tumblr.com. Our official tag is babpod, B-A-B-pod. Uh, also, thank you to everyone who's donated to our Kofi at kofi.com slash bustyasianbeautiespod. You can email us any feedback, comments, or inquiries at bustyasianbeautyspod at gmail.com. See you guys next time. Bye! Bye!